hear me now? Oh, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? I can, sure, sure can. Uh, the Road to the Stage returns with an interview in just a few minutes. But until then, <laughs> I'm Patrick Bateman. This is Peter Michaels. What are we doing now? We're hanging out again. Okay, cool. A week later. A week later. A week has passed, and man, has it ever been a busy week. It has been. Did but you watch that show? Yes. Yeah. What show? Did you, you know, the show that the you show, watched last I, week. I watched the show, The Blue Stones, Broken Love, Low Hum, which um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the previous podcast. Probably not, but my brother went and saw this show in London, London, Ontario. Yep. Just a few weeks ago. And what did he have to say about Loham? Loham, I'm not too familiar with. Yeah, he liked it a lot. Yeah. He liked it a lot. Um, especially like the Blue Stones, I think. They, I mean, they've got some really groovy, groovy tracks. Mm -hmm. And I think what they do from, and we haven't seen them live. You haven't seen them live. The Blue, Blue Stones? Stones? Yep. Oh, you have? Uh, oh, yeah. right. You would have. Yeah, yeah. Field day, I want to say. Yeah. Um, he was very impressed with what they accomplished with just two people. Yes. Yeah. So. It's incredible. And yeah, so their new album is fantastic. Pretty Monsters. Mm -hmm. And Broken Love has a new album. Both have come out within the last three four weeks right give yep. or take uh and just kind of different ends of the rock and roll spectrum but both very modern yes uh and both very kick-ass i did see that the blue stones have that la afterlife song on their set list which do they that's yeah. my favorite song of theirs so yeah. and there's have you listened to the album pretty monsters yep yeah, yeah there's some vibes some of that vibe is oh, totally. snuck into the new totally. stuff for sure very sonically soothing um and then so what else is uh what else are we gonna have coming up good god Christmas. Christmas. The greatest show of all, Santa Claus. Who's in his band? Uh, I don't know. Nine, nine <laughs> degenerates with Degen hooves. Degenerate elves. Do you? Are there I mean, nine we, reindeer? We might have talked about this last year too. But do you have a Christmas movie? Is there anything that you? Oh, great question. Um, yes, I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to guess? Um, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> No, but I, if I can consider that a Christmas movie, uh, you mean specifically holiday themed or a movie that I watch at Christmas? Uh, I, yes, holiday themed. Okay, yeah. yeah, I got an answer for you. Okay, and it is Sound of Music. For real? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's I can't go can't go too wrong with that choice. Are you a big musical fan? No, but I mean it's <laughs> as classic as it gets, and it's better than a bunch of the other really cheesy stuff. Right? I don't know. I'm I'm sure I'll get some flack from a ton of people on uh, whether that's actually a holiday movie. I don't think it is a holiday movie, but there is a, I believe there's a Christmas celebration in it. So. Is there not like, isn't a, like the, my favorite things, isn't that? Yeah, it might be a Christmas. A big Christmas. Yeah, I guess it is. I think that I guess it is. a Christmas fairly often. But I guess also, I don't think about that movie for anything holiday related. So Correct, yeah. Maybe it's a bit of a hack answer. No, it fits. Yours is uh, vacation, obviously. <laughs> Christmas vacation. No. It isn't. No. Oh, serious? I thought it would be. Oh, well, no, I mean, look my, at your fucking house. It's one of my least favorite uh, vacation movies, Actually, if I'm being honest. Oh, your least favorite vacation, vacation. movies. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, is it Elf? Definitely not Elf. I'd have to. I'm not. Uh, What's the one where I'm Santa, it turns out Santa's actually the devil? Well, I mean, that's more along the right vein of things. Do you know what I'm talking about, Riley? No, it's not Krampus. It's uh, it's older than that. I think it's more in line with like Bad Santa time. Like I think it's like 15 years ago. But hmm. I think basically you find out that Beelzebub is actually Santa Claus, and this is the year he's coming back to fucking kill everybody. Okay, well I gotta look. <laughs> I gotta look for that one. Last year I enjoyed Fat Man. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah, unfortunately so has that. Mel in it, which will overlook that part. For Mel, a minute. Mel, listen. 
Mel's probably feeling pretty good these days in that he's the like the uh, least popular anti-Semite around at the moment. I guess there are <laughs> others that have definitely... <laughs> There's others with Taking louder that. voices and bigger platforms love at love. the moment. Uh, Mel, Mel plays Santa, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a kid who gets coal for Christmas who hires a hitman, which is Walton Goggins, which I know you appreciate right. Walton's yeah. work. Uh, so Walton Goggins is hired to kill Santa, but Santa fights back. And he sure does, because as we all know, Santa is an extremely effective killer. Oh! I didn't get the link. God damn it. I'm just... Okay, so we're just uh, we're a million here today. We're awaiting. This is uh, crack number four, so we've broken, I think, our three strike rule. This is like three and a half. Three and a half. We'll consider this three and a half. While Patrick lines that up, I will thank Sawback Brewing Company, Bose Bar and Stage, Ghost Services Inc., Ryan and Riley here at Communal Creative Studios that make all of this magic happen. Sorry, I'm I'm messaging our guest. No, take your time. Um, from the road to stage. Okay, we might be we might be good to go shortly. <laughs> might be good to go shortly. How long does this take to travel through the interwebs to? I'm assuming Vancouver. I think We're going it, to Vancouver. I, I think for today's. Yeah, I think it might be Vancouver. We'll find out. Uh, hi, pa hey Patrick. It's day. Oh, fuck, I don't know what's going on. It's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. Um, all right. It's so, Monday in the future. Uh, so your favorite is Fat Man. Well, I don't know. I don't have one, but I enjoyed that. Last Are your year. decorations already up? I uh, started yesterday. It's a process. Yeah, I mean, you you need I you got need nine nine days to. <laughs> I might need the rest of this. Uh, of what? Of the uh, week? Of the of month? It. Of the week for sure. Yeah, yeah. Get your house looking a little more like Bose Bar and Stage with the winter lust never, festivities. I could never throw up Christmas the exact same way. That's I do a special kind. I have a fond memory last year of helping at Bose where we were putting these, I don't know, what would you call those those platforms that we hooked up to the ceiling? They're like wire, just wire platforms that we filled with um Christmas balls and decorations, and they hang from the ceiling. Was it as complicated this year as it was last year did no. all that shit kind of get stay together and yeah. just stored somewhere yeah. okay so a little easier this year yeah and they and those those christmas decorations were tough they took a beating yeah oh yeah they took a beating well because there were we did talk about a few shows that happened but yeah, that's right because i kind of can't remember i think people could kind of reach them could they i don't know maybe i kind of remember there being something that i was like oh that's coming down but no, didn't. those things were sturdy, sturdy, <laughs> very, very sturdy. What are your qualifications when it comes to doing that work? I uh, look, looks good. <laughs> looks good. Oh my God. Come on now. Are we having link issues? Well, we shouldn't be. Pretty sure I got the email right. I did. Anyways, um, do we talk about our guests in hopes that maybe if we say nice things, he will magically appear? I, I'm so th this interview, it's been uh, funny preparing for this because I've followed this guy for a while. We've tried this interview a couple times, and uh, I kind of just want to ask him if he's a goof. Because <laughs> I think he is, I think he might be a goof. I, I think there's a, a certain persona that might be perceived based on the music that he delivers. Beautiful, beautiful music. Beautiful, gorgeous, and I think poetic. he's a wordsmith too. Word, hundred, yeah. Wordplay guy. But that's the first thing I, as I'm watching some of his social media stuff, I'm like, no, this guy's like an animal. He put out, that. he put out a video like three weeks ago before his Red Deer show, 
you know that fucking pointy thing on TikTok? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm yeah, talking I, about? I know the exact one. I have probably watched that video seven or eight <laughs> times because it makes me howl. It's so funny. So should I do it? Should I just say, hey, Jordan, I'm Patrick. Are you a goof? Yes. I think we'd, that's probably the best way to straight up do it. And I bet you, like, and he was, we'll find out as well. He was in some rock bands previous yeah, to this in, line in of Calgary. Work. Like, I just feel like, again, this is a guy that you would listen to and you'd look and you'd go and you're like, hmm, like he's probably a, like a death metal head. He's also a writer. He yeah. wrote on De Rouge, De Rouge. Tourist Company. Well, I think that's, <laughs> we're going to find out. That's all the questions I had. Any of this we said is right shortly. Um, we wrapped up our F1 fantasy yesterday. Man, did you, Fourth place, did you, man. Oh, you didn't take so the, close. What so you, is, close. There, is there a trophy? What's the? Yeah, there is actually is a trophy. There? Yeah, yeah, we got a trophy made. Of course there is. Cool guys, you know what I'm saying? All right, let's get into it. Hello. Oh, we hear something. Jordan. Oh my God. <gasps> wow. I am. Look at this. <laughs> hey man, how's it going? Hey, I'm all right. So sorry about that, man. What a flake. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, we kind of had a feeling that maybe that's what happened, and I'm glad I reached out. And let's be honest, yeah. it's not the first time a time zone has caused us a no. little bit of concern, a little issue. It's yeah, all good. Yeah, I believe it. And you still okay. made it. You still made it. You have your video ready. You knew it was a video podcast. I mean, you're already succeeding more than some of our guests. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I am also realizing that since the video podcast, you can see the disaster that is my studio. Well, I was just going to say, like, are, are we getting, are we just coming home from something? Are we getting ready to leave for something? We got road cases. Is that a suitcase kind uh, of behind the couch there? No, I had a rehearsal last night, oh, okay. so everything was just taken out. And rehearsal for for Jordan Clawson. Yeah, I have a show in Vancouver on uh, uh, Saturday. Oh, cool. Right on. Yeah. Is my audio okay? I'm just making it's not fuzzy or anything. No, I no, think it's I pretty good. I Okay. Yeah, cool. I haven't noticed anything wrong. Cool. Um, well, yeah, again, thanks for thanks for hanging out. I'm Patrick Bateman. This is Peter Michaels. We appreciate yeah, you taking the time. Yeah. Um we were saying because I I have a I, I it's a pretty strict rule of of uh three strikes and or the interview's not gonna happen. And um I we never want this to be an obligatory uh, experience obligatory experience for our guest yeah. so we're cutting it pretty close this is as far as i'm concerned we're at three and a half three and with a half. you today yeah yeah <laughs> so you're you're you're, of course. you're free to to fuck off at any point if you want <laughs> no no this is great i think it just means we got like shit's happening right it was a summer thing that was a yeah the yukon blonde show right during the yukon blonde show yeah and then you were just in our town like three weeks ago at Red Heart Brewing. Yeah, like uh, less than twenty-four hours after our major snowstorm, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, what a what a disastrous weekend that was. Yeah, was it? Besides, the show was great, but other than that, it was like just thing after thing. Our vehicle got broken into in Red Deer. No. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we left all our gear at Red Heart the night before. Um, otherwise, we would have been really screwed. Oh, like, shit. where where did it just got broken into? Like, were you staying at a hotel or? Yeah, at the Radisson. Oh, and, shit. Uh, someone, I think some kid, like a bunch of the windows in the parking lot were smashed. So I think some kids just went around and smashed the windows. Man, I like, I, well, I think back to my days as a douchebag teenager, and yeah, I don't never, know if we ever smashed never. windows. Uh, like, <laughs> was there a shit pile of snow in the vehicle then? If it. Yeah, it was a rental, though. Okay. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll deal with it. How many yeah. uh, how many people did you bring here for that show? Was it, it wasn't just a solo gig, was it? No, yeah, it, I uh, often when I'm on the road, I'll do drums and then keyboards, and then we'll like I I play with in ears and to to tracks. So the the low end will just be in the tracks, honestly. Um, just it's just more affordable. It's so expensive. Like the leap from three people to four mm. is like a lot more because you have to get two hotel rooms. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we have we had three. Yeah, I mean, I and specifically to Glossolalia, like there, it's a pretty um, diversely sounding record. Like, there's a lot of flourish, if I might use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about translating that to state? Obviously, you have tracks, so it, it must be pretty good, right? Like, you're not sacrificing too much. Yeah, I don't think so. We're also just kind of like, like the keyboards are pretty versatile now like we're not just you know i mean i don't want to get too techy or anything but uh we're not just like plugging in you know and using like a keyboard sound we're actually going through our laptops and using like software and mm-hmm. that's so a lot of the stuff's like multiple patches that fills out a lot of this the, the space um so yeah i mean with technology it's it's really easy to do a lot with a few people now yeah absolutely well not that's uh not something i think we've really talked about too much on this show ever is that the cost of, of just bringing in a fourth member instead of a third on on a smaller tour I just like, had this conversation on the weekend with somebody talking about a, a five-piece band that had come through and i'm like i just i couldn't imagine because mm-hmm. it's not just the five-piece band you're also sometimes going to be bringing a sound guy along and a merch guy along and a, so a five-piece band becomes an eight nine person traveling crew gas costs food costs everything is is and all got to be considered when you go out on tour right Totally. Yeah. And I mean, especially right now, like they say, I was, someone was saying that show attendance in North America is down by like 70%. Seven that big. Sorry, wow. seven zero? Yeah. Fuck. Wow. And so it's harder and harder to, to make it like my goal is always just to break even. Um, I see touring kind of as almost like a more kind of promotional thing, a marketing mm-hmm. thing that's connect with, you know, people who listen to my music um and so yeah my goal is just to like not lose money but that is just becoming almost impossible but i think is that like isn't tour like the 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 thought at least the perception i have is that touring is where artists are making their money so that's not even the so what do you what do you do now yeah well i mean i just i don't think that a lot of artists are making any money right now i think like i i do other things so i i score film as like Mm -hmm. kind of my day job um and that is that is way more lucrative um royalties are still a big thing um like uh yeah radio play satellite radio um but even that you know like uh, the cbc three cbc three just folded Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's harder and harder it used to be for a long time it was all about sync for me so i had someone who was pitching my music for film and tv Mm -hmm. those price tags were really big but it's like in the last five years i'd say it's become so saturated like there are people like thousands of people in nashville in la who are their their whole job is just to write music that will get placed you know mm-hmm. so it's, it's harder and harder for artists who are just you know making records they like to uh, have their music placed in film and tv and how is uh the scene still good in vancouver for tv and film it's booming fairly well Big yeah time. well like especially for composing yeah um it's there's a lot of like tax credits and stuff they come like it's hollywood north here 
so uh yeah there's there's a lot of business for for scoring and uh yeah we I, i'm really busy with that so so that's that your, end, you yeah. say that's your day job like what what uh is there anything that we could keep our ears open for in terms of your work in in film and television like um, recently i guess yeah, like, do you like Hallmark movies? Oh man, I've all, I've only watched six already this Christmas season. <laughs> yeah, there's a I, we do a lot of Hallmarks. We do lots of documentaries too. We're doing a documentary about uh, from uh, yeah, right yeah. Um, Is yeah. that a pro pro or a pro documentary? Uh. I don't know. I think I might have signed an NDA, so I don't really know. <laughs> we'll figure that out and totally wipe this part. <laughs> um, interesting. That's uh, that's cool, man. Like, it, what do you? How do you feel about that as your day job? How like your days feel pretty fun or fulfilling? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that I started out kind of, uh, I think, lucky in that I knew that I would have to kind of have my fingers in like a lot of different pies to make this work as my full-time job. So um, I started out with a lot of producing um, and I don't know how much I actually really like producing I found. Hmm. Um, and so score is great because you, you work on your own schedule. Um, it's still creative, but it, it kind of exercises the more like, um, puzzle building part of your creativity you know it's like it's not necessarily being like oh like what do i think is awesome it's more like what do i need to do to make this scene work and make the director happy mm -hmm. um and that is actually some i'm kind of a i'm a pretty analytical guy and i like that kind of stuff strategy and that all that so uh it, it kind of exercises that muscle which i really like so it is really fulfilling. And also it's great because, you know, sometimes there's just, I mean, like I said, it's really lucrative. So I can, you know, work for two weeks, make like a third of what I'm going to make all year. Wow. And uh, just take the rest of the month off or, you know, that kind of thing. So I like it a lot. And then um, are you like, you keep your finger on the pulse of current films and and what's going into scores for them like do you have a favorite film score of the year oh man that's a good question i we're watching white the white lotus right now yeah yeah i haven't yeah. started that second season but yeah. first season the music was amazing yeah yeah it's uh, like i like that it's like each each season it takes place at a different resort and the the music kind of reflects the the, the country or the the yeah. region yeah the region so this one's in italy and but it's still really weird and quirky but like they incorporate a lot of opera into it and i, I love that kind of stuff like kind of using a source that um um has a lot of authenticity but then kind of you know fucking with it a bit to make it i don't know just interesting yeah unique yeah and I imagine every project's probably a little bit different, but uh, like, are, are you basically given a mandate of make it sound like this or do, do you have some, you can play around with it a little bit, go back to a director and think, I, hey, I think it works good this way or is it just straight up? It, it really depends on, on the project, you know, like there's that whole kind of, I mean, I think everybody wants to do like the whole, I don't know if you've heard about like, like Johnny Greenwood and There Will Be Blood. Um, basically, I think the director just shot the whole movie without any 
clue about music and then just gave Johnny Greenwood the movie and was like, here you go. Um, and he just wrote everything. And I mean, I'm sure there was some collab going like to iron out the details, but um, that kind of thing is like the dream. But it's not it's not often like that. It's more often like the director will have like a playlist of music that they're like, this is the vibe. Yeah. The influence. Um, yeah. Um, it's funny. I'm, and I, I'm glad you brought up Greenwood. But I, I always find it funny from my perspective only. I'm only saying this for myself. I'm a huge Radiohead fan. I do think that they are one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. And I also think Greenwood is will probably come out as one of the better film score film composers ever. Like mm-hmm. I really, I really do believe that. And it's just funny to me that it, it's Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead that I feel that strongly about. So there's a little bias, but I still think it's objective. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree. His scores, like, have you have you heard his from that Lynn Ramsey movie? You were never really here. It's with Joaquin. No. It is one of the wildest, like it's 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 uh there, much like there will be blood there's parts that are meant to make you feel uneasy or tense and then there's just pure beauty involved as well it's like he, his shit is remarkable mm, yeah and when yeah. you're building these scores what i'm curious do you have like if you got a big screen that you're kind of watching it on or you just on a small monitor when you're getting the feel for all yeah. of that watermarks right Water- there uh yeah so yeah we'll get usually what happens is that we'll get the the cut we call it um and then and then by the way what music is in film music is kind of the it's like the the bottom of the barrel like it's the last thing it's the thing that always gets the budget cuts um so often we're nothing's on time and we'll get like we'll be like you have three days here's the final cut um (laughs) anyway so yeah we'll get the cut and then they'll have the audio we'll have a like a split track what you call it so on the left side there's the dialogue and on the right side is a temp is temp music yeah so they'll kind of just place in their kind of a vibe they like sometimes they'll be like just copy the temp and other times it'll be like just kind of a an inspiration so it totally depends on the project yeah that sounds like it, it from my side of things it sounds like a really fun job uh, yeah it does it is yeah i yeah. love it and you're you're you do that from your place in vancouver yeah i have a studio here as you can see it's usually looks better than this but uh yeah i do it from from here in vancouver and then i also you know <clears throat> like i was saying film doesn't take up like i'm not working eight hours a day so then i also obviously am working on my artist project too mm-hmm. there's a lot of business to take care of and songs to write as you say you diversify a little bit do you do any voiceover stuff no that's nothing i no i i have friends here who do it it's like a big industry in vancouver yeah. uh no, I never have. It's you know, actually the the guy who's playing drums for me on Saturday, he's he's getting into voiceover and he was just talking about how it is like it's just a really uh like it's it's a steep learning curve. Like there's a lot to learn and more than you would ever think. Like you have to you have to like cuz no one can see your face, you know, especially if you're doing cartoons. Um and so everything is just in the voice, all the expression uh and just learning how to hold back and give uh he said it's like actually super complicated and what it would it what, could you compare it to singing at all like i because vocally you got to do the same thing right you're trying to you know emote what your lyrics Con- are about confidence is a huge thing yeah totally yeah i mean i've i've written a few um like uh i wrote you know this 
Princess or what is it called? Pinecone and Pony. It's a new. It's an Apple TV uh, cartoon. No. It's a. Uh, it's based on the Princess and the Pony by Kate Beaton. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, I I did some score work on that, and I wrote or with some with some of my partners, we wrote the the end credits song, and um, I sang on it. I don't know. If you want to go go watch an episode and go skip to the end. And you oh, I will. It. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was interesting how long it took for us to get the vocal right. Just because uh, in my music, it's I think it's just kind of more I just do it till it feels right, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas this is kind of like, oh, can you say that word like a little more fragilely? And because it's so so specific to. Um, an emotion and how they how they wanted to kind of convey the the motif of the series or whatever um yeah, yeah. And it has to match that character obviously right yeah. yeah yeah exactly um all right so can we can we take it back jordan can we go way way back mm-hmm. um you alluded to earlier that you you have some knowledge about this industry and the things that the, the way that works like the touring is that because of the experience you've gained from from your family in the music industry? Hmm. What do you know about my family? <laughs> well, I believe your your, your mother mom. is a, a yeah. very accomplished uh, Canadian singer songwriter. Is that not is that not correct? Yeah, she's a she's or I mean she's not she doesn't do it anymore, but she was a. Um, sorry, give me one second here. I think this alarm is going off. Okay. Uh, she yeah like a christian um kind of i guess it was like at the time we called it world music yeah I don't think yeah it's very easy anymore uh <laughs> but yeah it's it was kind of like she was kind of like the christian enya a little bit and do you like was this happening when you were when you were a small boy yeah yeah a lot of my most a lot of my worst memories are like sitting in a church while my mom sold cvs <laughs> All across the country or just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the church tours. Yeah. She would like, man, she see things back too and like, or she'll ask me like, how many, how many records did you sell at the show? And I'll be like, oh, 10. She's like, like a hundred was a bad night for her. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to a few church shows in my day and people like to buy that merch. Yeah. 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 But anyway, to answer your question, I think, um, it certainly did, um, affect my kind of interest in the arts and i think also like my parents were stoked you know when i was like this is the path i want to take mm-hmm. from an early age i knew i wanted to to make music and so i think for a lot of people there's a lot of kind of tension there and um pressure to do to get a real job you know mm-hmm. um but and did they en- did they encourage the music were they throwing guitars and stuff at you to help you go that route they loved it yeah Yeah. they yeah and i like i even i remember like we had to take some kind of musical lessons uh so i had piano lessons how early how how old did you start like i think i was probably six or seven okay that's not too too bad it's not like two years old yeah no prodigy (laughs) yeah (laughs) you will be a prodigy (laughs) (laughs) um but i think just I, I mean, it could be in my genes or whatever, but I just always was interested in making things and, and not even necessarily music. I just, uh, just liked, yeah, 
being creative and so music kind of i think when i was in high school music was really cool you know it's how you got babes mm-hmm. so yeah that was kind of the path i took and so i that- never went to post-secondary i never um I, I always just played in bands and wrote songs. So, and do you do you feel yourself very like uh, theory knowledgeable? Is like, did you did you gather that through piano lessons and stuff over the year, years? Uh, yeah, I, like I would suggest. I think everyone should take, every musician should take some piano lessons, like because it's it's just just such a theory based instrument, you know. Yeah. Guitars, guitar can feel more like shape based. You know, you can get by by just like learning the shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, but not really with piano because yeah you have to know your you have to know your scales to to know your chords it's the practical visual like theory instrument yes exactly interesting that's okay so okay and then like pete and i were talking about earlier so you you did grow up a little bit in calgary or yeah so we moved to calgary and right after grade nine i went there for i went to high school there i went to bonass oh um yeah, that's my mom was raised oh, really? in Bonas. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, nice. That area well. I don't think they would have crossed paths. They so. definitely wouldn't have crossed paths. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, and then that's when you were playing in rock bands. Uh, even before that, actually, like in grade eight and nine, I started my first band, and then what were they uh, called? <laughs> 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 and what's the logo? We need to we need to see the logo that was drawn on the binders. Know. I I they were pretty embarrassing. I think it's like. Well, the federal duck was the first one that's a great and then, name <laughs> and then we changed it i was a really big nickelback fan nice kind of like nickelbacky rock so it was like we called broken leash hell yeah oh. <laughs> edgy um, yeah and actually i moved back so it's kind of confusing but after, after i i really didn't want to be in calgary so i graduated early and moved back to vancouver or Abbotsford actually, and uh, started a band there called Sabrosa. And then I, I, I had kind of some mental health problems, so I moved back to Calgary to be with my family mm-hmm. again. And so then I spent like 21 to 26 there. Oh wow! And that's where I made my first Jordan Clawson record. Okay, okay. So so post yeah. high school, it was you were pretty dedicated just by the Jordan Clawson project. Yeah. Okay. Just I want to hit on the Nickelback thing just a little bit because mm-hmm. I don't like while they're not one of my favorite bands, I don't hate for any particular reason. You love Nickelback. But what I but what I like about the story though is and I just want to get your take on it is like I don't know how you can especially us as Albertans can hate on a band that started in a garage in small town Hannah, Alberta and made it to be the biggest band in the world, which I'm sure as a young artist, that's the dream, right? Like you want to come out of the garage and take over. And they did that. And they're from small town, Alberta. How do you ever shit on that? Yeah. Totally. Watch me. I think there's always some kind of credibility with success, but then there's also, I think you can emphasize that. And I think that needs to be more emphasized now. Yeah. Um, the, the idea that like, you know, if, if people love it all around the world, there there's something to it you know um but then there's also the side that like uh um is it just kind of the like mcdonald's of music you know is it kind of like easy throwing people just kind of the easiest scraps that they'll kind of feed on Mm -hmm. Um, so i don't know i try to take a balance i don't hate nickelback either i just 
I sometimes I feel a little cringe when I listen to. But the before song. that, I mean, because it did, it it moved there eventually. Yeah. But as they were coming up, I mean, that honestly, you go back to that first album, which the people States. people weren't shitting on them yeah. when no, that no, it was Silver Side Up or that's Sil what it's called. Silver up, Side right? Up in the album before that, I think it had some pretty decent. It wasn't the like yeah, McDonald's of rock is a great way to put it, uh, but it wasn't that. And again, that's to me, I like to focus more so on that from where yeah. they became and what they did after whatever, but to have, you know, and again, especially as a young musician, like I think how great is that to have is yes, I can do it. I can be in this garage in my small town and I can do it. Well, and it was, attain you can go down it was a attainable, path. attainable music too. Like there's nothing particularly technically. Well like, then let's go. What, what, what did you love about it? What, what made them a band that you enjoyed at that age? Well, go back to why you got hooked on them. Hmm. Man, I don't know. I, I just, I think part of it, you know, so much of actual, I think so much of taste is actually social. And mm. uh, I was really, I thought that the Fox, uh, there's a state rock station here called the Fox. Mm -hmm. And that's what all my friends listened to. And they played lots of Nickelback in those early years. Cause I actually think that's how Nickelback got their start. They won the Fox seeds contest. That's right. Yep. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that it, a lot of it was just kind of like, this is cool music and then i don't know just i think that um chad kruger's a great melody writer i think he's a i think he's got like a lot of i think the lyrics are like the cringiest part of it for me but um and you know it's actually like a cool science too like how they make those songs is like like no they don't actually play any of the chords like in real time i've heard it's like they almost just like create a sample base Oh, so it can be just like perfect in every way. Yeah. Like then they just like drag the chords into like where they're supposed to go and stuff, you know, like, Holy shit. Which, which is like, not, not my thing, but it is interesting. It's an interesting kind of scientific I was way to say there's some science behind it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, <laughs> I can't say I expected <laughs> to get into the, uh, but like, no, sorry to take us down that road. I, I, it's just, it's just very, they're very easy targets. They've been very easy targets for a long time now. I agree that I think it's unnecessary to attack them to the level that they are attacked. Um, because taste is subjective. Mm -hmm. When I was in grade seven or eight, when that record came out, it was amazing. And I'm sure as an adult at that time, that record was the best of that type of music of that year right like it wasn't particularly original right but it was it was quality there's a reason yeah. why they got to be so successful and yeah i think you're right the credibility issue is just like a lot of people like shit on that some formula yeah but yeah. uh that being said uh after listening to glossolalia a lot uh not not sure i would have pegged you as the the <laughs> genesis of <laughs> jordan clausen yeah. involved nickelback yeah well i think and when I was around grade 11, my family went to London and mm. I bought, uh, actually, I think what it was, was I had heard I Might Be Wrong by Radiohead mm -hmm. on the on the Fox. And so I bought this, I bought Kid A and Amnesiac. And then that was kind of like the turning point for me where I was like, oh, you know, this can be really, this can be really challenging, uh, like in a good way, you know, mm -hmm. I can challenged by my music tastes and I, then I kind of threw away all the all my old rock predispositions yeah. I don't I don't think I've uh I don't know if I've ever talked about this with anyone but Amnesiac was the first full Radioheadless album I ever listened to yeah 
and it is a straight up electronic album pretty much like it is is pretty wild and wacky and years later after getting really big into the band and, and starting to learn more about them and understanding how polarizing that album was from a band that started off as a pretty typical rock band mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of people shy away from that record too but uh yeah so that's interesting that was one of the first full length experiences you had with radiohead too you think that led to you like that's a huge expansion from typical rock music specifically amnesiac yeah yeah i don't know i don't know what it, i don't know what it was about it I, I think it what it was was like i i've always been i still am actually just into like um i love like f- fantasy and i love um uh, the idea of just kind of like creating another world and um, that's kind of what I felt like they did there. Like I was transported to this like kind of other place. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just to, supposed to like reflect my life, you know, like something like country music is essentially that it's just kind of like supposed to make you feel nostalgic and relatable. Yeah. It's actually kind of like takes you somewhere else mm-hmm. that you, it's a good it, point. Like, yeah. Like provokes your imagination in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that really turned me on to, to yeah that kind of thing and I, I mean in some ways that's kind of what i try to do with my records too is not just kind of uh yeah not just reflect re- like re- uh, real life experiences or my reality as it is but try and imagine a different reality altogether mm-hmm. um we were joking around before you hopped on and uh i <laughs> there's a tiktok or a video you made a few weeks ago that i've I think I've watched it eight times. That's Pete knew exactly what I was talking about when I brought it up. Are you a bit of a goof, Jordan? Oh, I'm a super <laughs> that t- Do you know what video we're talking about? Where no, you're, but you know the whole pointing trend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the thing is, like, on the, to be a, an artist, you have to engage with social media and, I find social media in general very cringy and I spend a lot of time like being really annoyed with people on it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, maybe my thing could just be to like kind of make fun of social media a little bit, but still get the word out, you know? <laughs> that video is so good. Mission man. accomplished. So, okay. Yeah. So you run through the thought process. Uh, I need to be attached to social media. I need to keep up to sp- some, some, trends to a certain degree um so what's the what's the start of this oh i need to do one of these pointy video things and i'm gonna do it all very off time and awkwardly yeah uh i think it's like i mean it probably comes from a bad place honestly it's kind of like watching other people do it and just feeling like really judgmental about them and being like you take yourself too seriously i don't know i just find that kind of I just think that like my sense of humor is always around kind of um, people failing at things <laughs> and not being good at you know. <laughs> and so I mean, yeah, that's kind of like the that's what I that's what I'm trying to engage with this this idea of just kind of like trying to be cool or trying to be media, social media savvy, but like failing really oh, bad. So good. That's oh, perfect. So you're a bit of a troll. Yeah, maybe it is troll. Yeah, because <laughs> like I'm watching that and I watched it over and over again, and it just like really 
I don't, there's just something knowing that um, it felt like I was part of something that most people weren't aware of because you know that a ton of people who are probably unfamiliar with you, maybe some of them are, watched that and thought, ah, fucked it up. Poor guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't <laughs> yeah. know how to do that. Again, this. That, that judgmental <laughs> point comes around and you're totally being judged on it. Oh, yeah. Shit. I, I think that I'm actually not, I, I think I've just engaged with the fact that I'm just bad at some things and I just, it feels good to just embrace it. Yeah. You know? Like I'm not, I'm not good. Like, I mean, that's another thing people talk about all the time and it's like networking and schmoozing. It's like, I'm just really bad at it. I'm really, I've tried really hard, um, but I'm just not that kind of guy. And so when I'm at a, an industry event or something, I just kind of embrace it. I'm like, I tell people that, you know, maybe I don't want to be there or that uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's awkward and, <laughs> and make fun of the, make fun of it and stuff. So, but it makes yeah. the rest of the night easier though, right? Like to get that out of the way and now you don't have to try to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. Now, just out of curiosity with going back to the, the TV and the film scores then, do you have like an agent that helps you get that? Or cause a lot of that would be done through networking. Would it not? That's true. Yeah. I think I, I think uh, with my, the kind of temperament that I have is like, I, I'm really good when I have like equity built with someone and um, real relationships. Like I, I just, I really hate small talk, but um, if there's like kind of a, a long standing relationship, then it's great. So I, um, it's kind of a long story, but the, the company that I work with, it's me and my friend Taylor and my friend Will, and uh, it was started by someone else, and they kind of gained a lot of the contacts. Um, and now, because we have all these long-standing relationships with different producers and production companies, it's easy. It's it's great. Um, but I'm not the guy who you should like send to like LA to like go knock at you know NBC's door or something. Yeah. <laughs> although at the end of the day maybe you are right because there's so many and i'm sure most of those people can see through all the fakeness of yeah. people to just be real i, I yeah some people can for sure I guess some people some can. people can i just the thought of someone a, a real tiktoker watching that video yeah. i'm like ah so <laughs> just didn't do it properly he needs a social media manager <laughs> you didn't get any requests any suggestions <laughs> well no i get a lot of spam but no, I didn't get any. No. Um, and so the record's been out for a while now. It was April, right? Early April, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, are you, with the tours that you've done um, in the last, whatever it is, seven or eight months, are you ready to put that record to bed or are you still hoping to write it out for a bit longer? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I do want to write, it's a, I mean, obviously we all know the last few years have been very weird mm -hmm. um i put out a record in 2020 as well called tell me what to do and that one i think i released it like a week before like black lives matter kind of really broke out so summer summer of 2020 the end of may okay yeah yeah, yeah. and so i mean it like i'm not complaining it's nobody's fault but it was like the worst time to mm -hmm. an album um and so and i really love that record too and but in some ways i feel like it never really got to the, the attention that it deserved mm -hmm. 
also it's just the pandemic and people were learning how to cope with it and mm -hmm. I could endure it. Um, so I feel like that for both of those records. So these shows, I'm actually almost treating like a release show for Glossalia and Tell Me What To Do. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's also, I think that the, the idea of releasing music has changed a lot in the last um, few years. I think, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's so centered around the release anymore as it was when I started. There's more, you know, something can get picked up and put in like a big playlist or something. And then suddenly it's, you know, even if it's, you know, a year old. Um, so the other thing too, is that I kind of did the, hit a amnesiac thing with glossolalia where i i got a big grant went to the studio and i recorded like 22 songs or something oh um and so glossolalia is the first collection of those songs sick and there, there will be another one that's kind of like a sister record called marginalia which will be out uh next late spring maybe okay cool that's that's, that's awesome. very cool yeah. very cool that's yeah. a good way to keep that momentum going of an of an album yeah and then how do you decide what to split into which which part yeah that's a good question i mean a lot of it was just kind of like for glossolalia i just kind of took a few songs i knew i wanted to be on it and then just tried to make something that felt cohesive and complement mm -hmm. itself and so actually marginalia has been a bit of a challenge because it feels a little bit like b-sides but okay um, but I went to the studio and did a few more songs to kind of try and glue it together and make it feel like it fit. Um, yeah. And did you get to work with actual string sections? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my friends, Brian and Caleb are, uh, actually the guys I did pine cone and pony with mm -hmm. They're composers here, but they're cello and string, uh, cello and violin player. And they're amazing and amazing, um, at a writing arrangement so um yeah i worked with them a bunch and then there's also a quartet i hired for glossolalia but i i always work with real strings i don't think i've ever used fake strings not like not even in the spec process or like when you're trying to oh yeah in the spec process okay for... okay and and yeah all the quartet stuff i wrote the arrangement so that was all written on midi before they they played it so can you actually write like the the, the composition like made for sheet music or is that like a kind of a transcript oh you can okay wow cool yeah with i mean i think with most i use logic but in logic yeah. you just draw in the notes there's lots of automation and stuff you have to do but yeah and then you can just click score and it will give you the score hmm. print it out um and and i i mean this may be a little aggressive in the way i'll put it but uh I realized because I've been listening to the record a lot and I really think it's fantastic, but I, I do think that if I were to ever try heroin, Pangea is exactly what I'd hear. <laughs> I really do. Pangea is exactly what you'd what? What I'd hear if I ever tried heroin. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I exactly, think that'd be a, that's I think, exactly what you had in mind. Right? I think that'd, that'd be out, a right? pretty good, like, <laughs> sink into the couch or bed uh, on the, the highest you've ever been song. Yeah, it is kind of like lazy, like that, isn't it? It's just like. Yeah, I didn't say I lazy, Jordan. <laughs> I didn't say lazy. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's kind of like, it's kind of got that like, uh, yeah, veg out kind of feel. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay. I'm glad that wasn't, you didn't just leave because I don't no, know how. Not at all. I've never, I've never thought about that comparison with a song before, but Matthew. I was like, man, this song is like just dreamy. 
if you don't show up for our next interview, I know what's going on. <laughs> um, I also know you put out a playlist of uh, was it was it songs that inspired inspired the writing process? Yeah. Um, and I I'd already the first time I listened, I thought about Aldous Harding uh, quite a bit. Who is? Yeah. Have you seen her perform before? Never, never live. No. Me neither, and I don't know what I would expect from it. Her music is so beautifully haunting and almost creepy at times but like i don't know how would you how would you describe her music to someone if you're recommending it to them yeah i'd be like i think the funny thing about it is that it's not actually like sonically weird because it's no. like it's like actually just really well recorded instruments mm -hmm. like just basic instruments but just the arrangements and the way she sings the their performances are just bizarre mm -hmm. and so it's this kind of interesting and that, that's kind of actually what i mean i don't think my music's bizarre but that i like that idea of like taking something that isn't you know it's not like radiohead where it's like they they've run it through like a thousand pedals or whatever it's like just sounds like a guitar but maybe you treated it in a weird way or you just like the arrangement you wrote is just really off-putting um yeah <laughs> and that, that's kind of maybe how i would describe it hers it's, it's really quirky actually you know, quirky is a really good word to use yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's not, a really good point not lazy definitely not lazy it also helps that i think the first time someone showed me aldous harding uh it was in music video form and she's got some pretty weird music videos yeah yeah totally. but just like remarkably unique just beautiful music it's it's wild it's wild yeah i love it yeah very cool very cool well, Pete, what, what do you got? I'm actually curious because uh, all your road cases behind have all the fragile stickers and everything on. I know you played Reaper Bond, and we've mm -hmm. talked about Reaper Bond with a few other artists uh, that mm -hmm. were getting ready to head over there, but you just had that experience. So fill us in on what Reaper Bond is like and, and what it's all about heading to Germany and playing with other Canadian acts. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is like my fourth time doing it. Wow. I've been over there quite a few times, and I, I think it's like one of the best of those kind of industry festivals. Um, yeah, I mean, what do, what do I say? Like, I guess uh, it's fun. Is it like a South by Southwest or is it a... Yeah, like... it's kind of like South by Southwest. Yeah. That's what I usually say. It's like the South by Southwest. Or CMW. Um, yeah, or CMW. So, okay. yeah. so I saw, and I saw that uh, CMW opened their applications, their early bird applications yesterday or something. Um, but you say, and you've had some experience at Reaper Bond. Have you done South by before? Yeah, I have. Yeah, once, I think 2015 or something. Okay, so is there something about Reaper Bond that you think could be done here in our, our North American industry weeks? Mm. Better, differently? Um, I mean... I, one, of the, one of the things is just like kind of logistical and that just like the... Re like Reaper Bond is like one street that has like already many venues and many rooms that can be converted into venues. And so a lot of the festival just takes place on this one street. You that helps. Kind of, yeah. And then, then there's just this big open kind of like beer market in the middle of it where you can eat um, curry verse and drink beer. Um, so it's kind of perfect for that. I don't know if we have anything like that mm -hmm. um, here that would actually work like you know like cmw is just kind of all the venues in toronto pretty spread like, out yeah like ubering around or whatever um so that's that's one of the big differences i would say um 
Yeah. Do you feel that they compensate artists better at a Reprobon than elsewhere? Uh, I don't think you get compensated. At Reprobon? No, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's it's not it's not a festival like that. It's like an industry festival. So like you, I mean, I to be fair, a lot of it is like because it's an industry festival and it's made to kind of try to grow artists and mm -hmm. connect connect teams to artists. Um, you go in and um, because I went, I got like lots of grants, right, from the province and from um, factor government. So yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't like, I, I don't think I lost money on the, on the trip, but you didn't yeah. get paid to do a show there. No, but I, I mean, I wouldn't really, uh, at this point, I don't, I don't really expect that anymore. Yeah. It's okay. more just kind of like, okay, we really want to connect with this label and they're going to come to this showcase and that's worth it for me to go. Um, especially that all my Europe is like my main market and, um, mm -hmm. it all kind of fell apart over COVID. So I'm kind of building from up from square one so yeah with your networking skills <laughs> yeah well i have a manager who's like actually an amazing networker so. and all the while drinking authentic german lagers i imagine the beer end of things was probably fantastic it was so good yeah it is so good there I'm surprised you don't have a trip to germany booked sometime you've never that, been there right never well and i'm dutch so so getting out into that right yes yeah, so right. i would like to get over there at some point to explore the homeland and holland's a different country though it's a totally different yeah, country okay. all the different uh areas around there though would love to do that sometime yeah but yes holland's like a, actually going to oktoberfest in germany yeah Oof. be pretty cool that'd be wild yeah well yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. You, you have done that uh-huh well like <laughs> yeah. I, I happened to be on tour while october was fest was going on and is it but, like do you have to keep yourself in check like is it tough to let it just i mean uh, when i'm on tour i don't really like yeah be so much per se but yeah i mean to be honest what i saw was like a lot of teenagers in lederhosen puking on the sidewalk that's what i've heard um, yeah <laughs> but there are like there's nothing like being in one of those huge tents you know where it's like everybody drinking beer and pretzels and stuff it's it's pretty cool We'll get yeah. you there someday. Someday. Do uh, the Road the Stage at Reaper Bond. Someday. Also the name of a Nickelback song. The Road the Stage at Reaper Bond? No. Someday. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Jordan, what do you got going today? What are we taking you away from? More composition work? Some scoring? Yeah. Yeah. I'm scoring a documentary right now. Um I have some some loose ends to put to, to tie up for my sh I, my show in Vancouver on Saturday, and then I'm also playing in Victoria on the 10th, December 10th. Right on. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I also got a, a VR gaming console, <laughs> like well, one of those, like the White Quest twos or whatever. Yeah, 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 one of those. Like, I feel like, yeah, my wife is just like constantly making fun of me because I'm like a 37 year old man. Yeah. <laughs> shooting stuff <laughs> in our living room but do you have spending a lot of time on that have you tried super hot yet no okay can you please do me a favor at least do a little research because it is uh i do a lot of gaming and that is by far the most unique gaming experience i've ever had it is a oh. workout too oh yeah it's nice. fun as fuck it's really cool yeah. super hot check it out okay we'll do uh, 
thanks thanks again for making the time i know it's been kind of a fuck around getting yeah. you on the show over the last few months but we really appreciate it no it's my pleasure um yeah make sure you send me a link and i'll share it around yes this will come out uh next wednesday i believe so we'll let you know and we'll we'll bleep out that name you mentioned earlier just okay. in case yeah perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right jordan thanks okay. a lot man have Thank a great jordan. day okay. peace all right jordan Clawson. you know i've been looking forward to that interview for a long time i didn't know if it was going to happen i was stressed that because it's been attempted so many times that it wouldn't be as good as it would have been that was great we've never had one completely fall through though right that i can think of no i've hit my three strikes You've with a number your... of artists before but yeah but uh, uh no yeah. and uh, total goof <laughs> that video is so good we might have to put it up in the episode actually because it's i'm gonna have to show riley anyways uh yeah jordan claus and check out his latest record which we just learned uh is part one of there's gonna be a part two, two which is really really exciting which really exciting. I, I like that like double albums are kind of a thing of the past right Does, has anybody released a double album coed and cambria like in the well that would make sense but i like mean they, how recently uh i think a couple years ago yeah but i mean that's a band that all their that, music is based on comic books yeah, so yeah yeah that makes sense uh, that was kind of a joke that i said them anyways um yeah no i can't really think of any that uh i mean does taylor swift not kind of do that all the time mm. anyways interesting just jordan clausen that's jordan all you need Clawson, that's all you that's need it. um yeah shout out jordan for hanging out and uh shout out to our friends sawback brewing company bose bar and stage ghost services inc and communal creative studios producers ryan and riley very very busy these days still making us uh making sure we get on air and go subscribe to the youtube channel because uh, a lot of people have subscribed now and if you haven't uh, big numbers you are not a cool person you're being left out mm -hmm. And come back around and check it next Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. The Road the Stage is produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Sir Yin at the Communal Creative Studios in Red Deer, Alberta. In partnership with Go Services Inc., Sawback Brewing Co., Tourism Red Deer, and Bose Bar and Stage.